Hey there, this is uh, the Greek Johannes speaking, Johannes Mattis Conrad. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of uh, an hour of talking about whatever. I, as usual, I stream live and I don't have a program, but I usually have uh, lots to say. Uh, let me check if my phone battery, because I'm running my internet off my cell phone now. So uh, It's a bit of a late night show, because uh, late in the evening, I mean, like normally I would do them earlier around 7 or 8 p.m. It's now 9.30 p.m. here in uh, Europe. Let's see if some people are, are going to come online to watch. Today, I've been thinking about this fact that the deconstruction of Western civilization is ongoing. The so-called enemies of the West are by no means uh, any less interested in deconstructing us, as they say. And what is that, really? What is that deconstruction? What does it entail? The deconstruction of the West means that if you believe in family, they don't want you to believe in family anymore. They want you to believe that children ought to be emancipated from day one, from birth, and that they are then simply the property of the state, and they will be raised by the government and by the school system that the government controls. Whereas you as a parent will be told that uh, you don't have any control over your children. You don't own your children. That's fascist. See, this is how they do it. They will accuse you of all sorts of bad things to justify for themselves to do truly evil things. Uh, and deconstruction also involves the deconstruction of your language, the deconstruction of your culture. They will say that pronouncing English properly, as I'm trying to do as a Dutch person, is also fascist because you have to speak pidgin. You know what pidgin English is? You can go to Wikipedia and look up articles in pidgin English. It's a sort of Africanized English, very simplistic. Uh, and some people say that, uh, well, all languages are equal, so even simple languages must be equal to more complex languages with bigger vocabularies. So they try to deconstruct even every notion of difference, of uh, bigger versus smaller, better versus worse, uh, beautiful versus not so beautiful. You know, And to deconstruct all these notions, they believe that they will then find something that must be true. This isn't true. They're not doing that. They may say that when they remove the varnish of Western civilization and then dig into it and say, well, there's nothing there. They're wrong. There's people there. A civilization is not just a word or a label. A civilization is the sum of the behaviors of the people that feel part of it, that live together, that behave together as one. You know, you can deconstruct all that, but that doesn't mean you are removing anything. Uh, someone on a Dutch radio show explained it this way, and they, by the way, the person I'm referring to was a proponent of deconstruction of the Western civilization. They thought, well, in the 20th century, we had this left versus right political system, and it didn't work. So we abandoned it, we abandoned the experiment, and now we have identity politics. But that's not true. You know, oh, I'm playing uh, Max Richter in the background, some kind of playlist on YouTube. I'll type it out if you want to know uh, exactly who it is. Um, it's the left, of course, the political left that transformed itself into identity politics. That does not mean that the notion of right versus left somehow disappeared. 
These labels, of course, are meaningless, but they refer to something that is real. Right-wing people believe they have a, a spirit, a soul, an inner world, an inner life of their own, and that people who belong to a group like a family or people even members of the same nation or tribe, your kinship, so to speak, they share some of these aspects. They share a common soul. The old Germans used to believe that uh, uh, they called it the Rassische Seele or the racial soul. So they didn't believe in DNA because DNA hadn't been discovered yet. So they had different concepts in those days. The whole DNA, by the way, is a materialist concept. You have to be convinced that people are just atoms and molecules to believe that genes and DNA really govern everything about you. And it tends to be so that left-wing people are far more uh, open to this materialist worldview. They are more likely to believe that they are just biological sacks of blood and bones. That's one of those World Economic Forum speakers said at Davos. Uh, Professor Harari of the book Sapiens. He, he often says that. Oh, people are just useless, useless eaters. They are just bags of, uh, bags of bones and meat. And there's nothing to it. There's no soul, no spirit, no free will, no mind, no conscience. And that's nonsense. We do have all these things. We have a soul, we have a free will, a conscience. Basically, if you believe in such things, if you believe, you're a right-winger, right? Uh, the left-wing people see themselves more as machines. They like the idea of being becoming a cyborg or something, or uh, they want to be like the Terminator or like Robocop or something. Whereas right-wing people would, enter, you, can enter, you can entertain those fictions, but then you realize, well, no, I'd rather stay human. The human resistance, that's the right wing. And this human resistance against technocracy, technological, you know, dystopia is not going to go away that easily, you know. Uh, Richard asks where I have been lately. I haven't seen many videos. I, I post regularly on my TikTok at, at the Great Johannes. But uh, I've done my, I do my live streams only once a week now, usually on Tuesdays. Try to keep them uh, going. But maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you've been uh, shadowbound or whatever, you know. Yeah, a homogenous country is a strong nation, exactly, yeah. This song is called, yeah, this one is called Embers is playing now. So I was talking about the real difference between left-wing and right-wing people. And that is the difference between do you want to be... Uh, a machine programmed by algorithms dictated by a state, by the state programmers? Or do you want to be a human being? A human being with a soul. A human being who can do evil, right? There's also this notion that, uh, 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 that they say, you know, you know when they always ask like, if, if God is real, then why is there evil in the world? Well, why don't you turn the question around? If there is good in the world, how come you don't think there's a God, you know? What if the only reason there is good in the world is because there's a God? You can turn it around. These kind of questions are a bit silly, of course. Yeah, I speak Deutsch. I have auch einige Jahre in München gewohnt früher. Also, ich habe dort Bayerisch Deutsch gelernt. Yeah, I speak a little German. Uh, I can, I, sp I speak German pretty well. I started a German account on TikTok as well, so you might start seeing German videos. Uh, uh, I haven't been posting there, but I started speaking a little bit. 
to practice my German so that I suppose it will come in handy later. Because I think any kind of revival of the of the European people will will have to involve Germany. Uh, the land and the people there are important because we need that kind of industry to connect it with uh, the resources from the east so that we can uh, reboot the, the whole European economic system. You know, I've spoken about this at length in other videos, but you know, what's going on here is, is called the great game. This is the game of empires between what used to be the British Empire versus the Russian Empire. The British Empire now, of course, is the US Empire, basically superseded it. Although many people tell me that, well, the finances are still being controlled by London. And some people say that when Nixon abandoned the gold standard, for example, he did so because of three people, three men living in London. And one of them was a Rothschild, 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 yeah. So they, the whole, the, the myth goes that the Federal, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank is owned by people living in the city of London or by some organization in the city of London. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah rule Britannia. <laughs> uh, and so this war, the great game between the Anglo or British American Empire and the Russian Empire, obviously uh, Europe is stuck in the middle there. Now, Otto von Bismarck, the German unifier, he had the idea to have good diplomatic ties with Russia so they could get access to the Russian resources and then fight the British, basically. Otto von Bismarck was uh, anti-globalist in this sense. Uh, an interesting little fact is that uh, Otto von Bismarck once suggested that the Pope should be democratically elected by the European people. <laughs> that never happened. Uh, isn't World War III also the Great Reset? Yeah. What is the Great Reset anyway? I mean, they say they want to, they speak of depopulation. There was a, an interview with Jordan Peterson and that woman, that Dutch woman, Eva Vladingerboek, speaking about depopulation, but there is no real depopulation. The only depopulation is happening among white people in the Western world. And then there's replacement immigration from these uh, hotspots, like uh, demographic hotspots like Central Africa, India, and Asian parts, and so on. <laughs> and that's a bit nasty, because uh, they, they want you to talk about depopulation, and that means you want, they want you to continue feeding Africa, for example. But maybe we need to turn this around. What if we would cut short the source of mass immigration coming to Europe? What if we would stop feeding Africa? What if we would stop feeding India? I read in a uh, United Nations uh, uh, report in 2018 that Africa actually imports two-thirds of its food, meaning it, it, it really can only support one-third of its own population using its own uh, food production systems. When I, when I mention this to actual Africans from Africa, they never believe it. They always, that's not true, we, we, we grow our own food. Yeah, of course you grow food, but two, -third of it, two thirds of it comes from outside of Europe, and half of that comes from uh, Europe and the USA. So we, we Europeans have, in, princ in principle, the potential to starve up to a third of Africans overnight or within a month or so, if we would stop sending our food to them. You know? I also feel that the farmers in the Netherlands and in Europe and so on, oh, there's so many farm protests. 
they're well organized, you know, in Germany, France, Italy, Romania, the Netherlands, of course. And it makes sense because I think what they're trying to do is transition uh, traditional farming to some kind of factory farming. You know, Bill Gates is investing in these factories where they grow food, uh, fake food, right? Artificial food, like chemical food, right? Because they can produce it at a lower cost and, and sell it to you at a higher cost, right? It is so important, however, that we maintain our farmers in Europe. If you would ever want to launch a real revolution against the globalist power system, in Europe at least, you need to be able to eat because they're going to cut you loose from, from, uh, from your banking systems, right? You won't be able to buy anything. So you have to have friendly farmers on board who will sell you their milk and their meat and their uh, selling, meaning traded for you or invested in you, right? A revolution in Europe can't happen anymore without farmers. But then again, I was thinking today, if they actually ban eating meat in Europe, I will leave Europe. I'll, I'll, I'll just go to Russia or something and apply for asylum in Russia. I'm fleeing veganism. Maybe they'll accept that, you know? I would seriously rather be a Russian who can eat meat than a European who, ha who has to eat vegan. There's, there's a real line there. Thou shalt not cross that line. I am not going to abandon eating meat and then expect you expect men of Europe to continue giving a damn about the European economies, paying into your welfare system, into your pension system, into your medical system. If we can't eat meat anymore, nah, that's not going to happen. That's the end of it. That's just the end of Europe. Do you seem calm? What happened? I don't know. It's just a bit later. It's 9, 10 p.m. here almost. So. Johannes, what is up with that massive protest against the far right in Germany? It's totally artificial, of course. You know, I think the German uh, far right party, AFD, is just controlled opposition. And then they do uh, a protest against it and blah, blah, blah. Probably they fear, of course, that the right wing Germans uh, do have some kind of, at least at the local levels, have some electoral power to start overthrowing these green principles and... You know, they want to keep the farmers and it will make it harder for the globalists to impose their global open society onto us. And I think that's really what it's all about, you know. Oh, someone uh, sent me some roses, yeah. Thank you. Nah, AFD, I think, is, is, is fake, you know. You're going to get screwed by them. Just like Gerd Wilders and Maloney and all of them. They're putting them all in place to get us to go to war with Russia, and, you know, that's just going to cost all of our lives. You know, how many lives do you think we'll lose in Third World War if Europe has to go fight along the American side? Right? If Victoria Nuland, that strange woman, do you, do you even know who she is? Victoria Nuland. Here, Victoria. I'll type in it. Victoria Nuland is this uh, Jewish American woman. She has dual Israeli American citizenship. And she is actually the one who tells Zelensky what to do. She tells the NATO boss what to do. That's why these guys like Zelensky and the NATO leadership, they all look like a bunch of low IQ doofuses who don't really know what they're doing because they don't know what they're doing. They're just waiting for the commands from uh, Victoria Nuland, who herself also isn't very smart, right? But she is in charge of, uh, of that war. Um, and I think the problem with Victoria Nuland is 
she's a woman and she thinks like a woman so she thinks differently about how to wage war right she thinks more in terms of uh you know desired outcomes manifestation that's what women do you know if you know women they try to manifest what they want without actually thinking about what you need on the technological side and i think this is victoria newland's big weakness is technology she doesn't really understand technology very well or where it's supposed to come from and so the americans are fighting using military equipment that was designed to be very very profitable for the weapons manufacturing industry but is not actually uh useful if you want to win a war you know there's a difference between profit and victory the U.S. military has been designed for profit, not for victory. And they're going to find out when you actually go to war with Russia. You know, Russia worked with Assad in Syria to defeat the Americans there. I found out that the reason why the U.S. Army pulled out of Afghanistan is because they had to hand it over to China. So they lost there. Uh, and so now you have the Gaza thing and you see that Iran, Russia, China and all, lots of other players are ganging up on the U.S. Israeli system, you know. Uh, I don't think the United States can win those. Not with the sort of competence that Victoria Newlands brings along. You know? Yeah, a lot of people in politics, like the front-facing people in politics are actors. You know, like, you know your, your MPs, what do you call them? Your uh, parliamentarians, right? And your senators and so on, and your congressmen. They are low IQ actors who read off of a script and they have owners telling them what to do. That's how, at least that's how, that's a better way to see it. It's a theater, it's stage play. And these are the actors on stage. They don't feel anything. They don't care about anything, you know? There was this guy, Lindsey Graham, who said he wanted to bomb Iran's oil. But why does he say that? You know, it's so it's such a reckless thing to just say that out on TV. Why would you do that? Wouldn't you want to keep that a secret? You know, these these strange threats also are part of that manifestation I was talking about. The U.S. leadership, I think they're all women, like Jewish women. Like the real leadership is just a sort of a circle of Jewish women who drink tea every morning. And they, they just want to manifest victory and saying, well, the way they wage war is they order all the journalists to write positively about our war efforts and to write negatively about the enemy's war efforts without truly understanding that that does not make you win a war. It makes you lie about winning. It does not make you win the war. Whereas on the Russian side, their media are very different. I think their media are a lot more secretive about the actions of the Russians. They don't brag. They don't lie so much because they are doing more. They do more and talk less. And they are winning because they actually took the, the eastern part of Ukraine, right? The whole Donbass region is now under control of the Russians. So what's the Ukraine army, army going to do now? They lost potentially half a million men. The true numbers are unknown. It could be 100,000 men, but some say it's 500,000. No one really knows. And then they want the Swedes because Sweden is going to uh, join NATO now, right? And, and then what? Germany. Uh, they said that next year already, February 2025, they want to send 30,000 German men to the Eastern Front to start fighting. They expect Russia to take all of Ukraine, apparently, and to even possibly uh, take Poland. But we'll see. 
all I'm thinking about as a European is that, look, we don't have real leadership in Europe. Like I said, our leadership is either in Washington, in Tel Aviv, right? Or we have um, spies from China or influencers from Russia. But what we don't have is brains in Europe thinking about what the hell do we do that is best for ourselves. So I'm trying to fill that void, right? Or at least I try to do a little contribution to this effort to figure out what should we Europeans do and what is what would be the best strategy for ourselves if if we didn't have to listen to the Americans and if we didn't have to be bullied by Russia or China or Islam or immigration, what would we be doing then that is in the in our best interest? And I think we should immediately let go of the economic materialism that we've been pursuing for since 1945 or so. Our whole culture used to be about, you know, spiritual life, about heroic life, about men being their best version of themselves. And we've become this culture of people who only work for money, who only live for money, but it's not fulfilling. You know, we've been, I think for the past 20 years or so, we've been buying a new phone every other year, right? And how exactly did that improve our lives at all? It didn't, did it? It didn't improve nothing. You know? Do you consider Americans, if European descent, as brothers and sisters to modern Europe today? Yeah, kind of. Well, not brothers and sisters, but more like cousins, you know? Cousins and nieces abroad, yeah. Yeah, we are related, but the leadership of the US, of course, is Israeli. It's. Did you know that on Twitter X, you can't even say ZOG anymore, Zionist Occupied Government, because that's what the USA is. It's sad that, you know, on one hand, you are being led by Jews and you are being, being invaded by immigrants and the white middle class is just absolutely, totally powerless. You are just, you're being squeezed out, you know. I suppose, like, the average American's view is actually best represented by um, Sean Strickland, the UFC fighter. I think he lost his latest fight, but then again, what he's able to say when he truly, when he just speaks his mind, right? He says it right. Like, I think I saw a video of him where he explains that, you know, as a man, you want to work hard. You have your eight hours a day plus overtime, right? Even unpaid overtime. And you just can't do enough to make a living to be able to have a family. So your wife has to work and then you're, and then the state will come in to raise your kids for you. And they will raise your kids to become blue haired lesbians. You know, it just it's just not right. We are being being milked like the cash cows. You know, in, the, in, uh, in economics, you have a principle of uh, the product life cycle. And you have something like the early adopters or something, right? And then you have the early majority, late majority. And you also have like cash cows, the ones who, the, the cash cows, well, those, are, those would be the customers that you can milk them, milk them dry and sell them all you want to sell. And Maybe I got it wrong. I mean, by the product life cycle, I mean, there's a, a principle of cash cows somewhere. People you can just exploit for their money, right? Because they're going to die off anyway. And that's the white middle class nowadays. The boomers are dying out. They're getting jabbed to death. The so-called alleged, you know, I, I can't even talk about it. Look, if I want to, up, I want to upload this video to YouTube and you can't talk about the the jibbity 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 era of uh, 2019 to 2022, you know, that's such a nasty thing. Maybe I'll cryptically describe that people who sought treatment were most likely to die. So maybe I'll say it like that, you know. Yeah, the 30s Germany kicked out the system, yeah. 
but now it's back again, and that's miraculous, isn't it? It's almost as if that big, uh, big fire and gas thing didn't really happen, you know? How else can they be in power now, you know? And what happened, by the way, this is a real mystery, what happened to the European elites, the non-Jewish European elites? Why did they lose power, and how come they're not able to get it back? That's what I find so so really uh, really strange about uh, about this whole ordeal. You have this class of people who simply migrate to wherever they want to get the most influence. Ben Shapiro literally said so recently. He was with uh, Elon Musk at Auschwitz, and he said, "Oh, we Jews." Uh, he's, I think he said he didn't want to live in Israel because he wants to live where he has most influence. And he said that Jews have an obligation to go and live wherever they can have most influence. Right. That's the reason why people hate you, bro. You are seizing power over other people because you mix with them. You end up looking like them a little bit and then you take over, right? That's why, you know, don't call that anti-Semitism. That's just realism. Yeah, an entire generation of royals. Like, I think I get the impression when you read books from history, right? Books from the past, late 19th century, 1800s, 50s to 1890s, our people were still in charge. You had like the Germanic warrior class. The, the, these people, the, the rulers, the nobility of those days, the Germanic nobility, the Celtic nobility, they did not live in the big cities. And I think that's when it happened, when the power transitions from, from the countryside to the cities, and the cities became the centers of power around the early 20th century, around the time of the World Wars. That's when our people lost their power. We simply are not adept at perhaps managing large uh, millions of people in big city uh, environments. And these clowns obviously are. They probably evolved for cities for thousands of years already, whereas uh, to us, big cities is quite, are quite new. You know, Berlin did not reach 1 million inhabitants until around 1860, which is almost 2,000 years after the city of Rome in the south. Northern Europe was very late to urbanize. And I think this urbanization is what killed us in the end because it brought with it a whole new kind of urban class of people, urban leadership that was unknown and un, uh, you know, unknown to us. We didn't know how to deal with us. And so we lost power in a sense, but that doesn't mean we can't win it back, you know? We have to win it back. Do you think in the future Europe will ditch democracy and go back to monarchism? Yeah, it seems to be the case. Uh, someone explained to me that you have these cycles, right? So we used to have aristocracy. Aristocracy devolves into democracy, and then democracy leads to a new system of uh, tyranny or monarchy. Right, and then monarchy becomes an aristocracy and aristocracy becomes democracy again and so on and so forth. So we're in that phase where we see the end of democracy. But what comes next is not quite certain yet. Uh, who's going to lead what comes after? You know, Are we going to get this left-wing communist totalitarian stuff where they have a new Lenin installed? Who's going to send people to the gulags? White people, of course. Or are we going to have a revival of, say, you know, a sort of dark prince who rises from our own ranks and takes over and then we get a whole new show, which is what I want. You know, I want the whole new show. 
are most royal families in the cahoots with the Zionist lobby in Europe? I suppose so, yeah, because maybe they depend on it for their status and power. Though, you know, Queen Maxima of the Netherlands, she's actually an active member in the whole World Economic Forum thing in Davos. She actually argued for the introduction of a GBJAB uh, passport so you and a digital ID and a wallet uh, and a digital driving license and so on. So that, of course, these things can then be remotely shut off. They can shut off your wallet access remotely and the, the digital euro and so on. I don't know how soon or how quickly they will introduce this, maybe in the next five years already. And I suppose they will do it really to enslave people. If they, ha if they have so much power over your money, you know, with cash, I can go to my neighbor and give my neighbor cash and we can transact, right? No one will even know that we did that. But with a digital wallet, the state knows that I went over to my neighbor to do a transaction. And the state may, able, may be able to freeze that money or recuperate it or destroy it or block my wallet. And so you become a slave, really. It's total slavery. Again, this is the sort of idea that betrays that the people in charge of the Western world today are women. Uh, you know, because women come up with this control freakery, right? Women want to control everything, whereas men say, well, this is a bit too far. Have you, haven't we gone a bit too far? Why don't you give people a little freedom? Give them some air to breathe, you know? And, you know, they're not doing that, you know? Oh, yeah. Max Richter is playing in the background quietly. I hope it's not too loud, but... Rural, uh, rural Ireland is still healthy, but it's the bigger towns that are overflowing with non-Europeans, yeah. I can't say Maxima. <laughs> uh, Max, Maxima, Maxima. Uh, Germany is a corporation of America, yeah. GmbH. yeah. It definitely is. It's it's just, uh, but they're, they're removing the assets. They're moving German industry to the USA. They're really going to wreck Europe because they don't want the Russians to get their hands on European industry, right? In case Russia would take over Europe. They really believe that this is possible. And so they're already moving assets out of Europe. Gold is going out. Uh, companies are leaving. It's all for the war effort. They really don't care about the survival of Europeans. So get this, uh, I was talking about this earlier. Victoria Newland is this American woman who really decides what happens to Europe. She decides when our men are going to be sent to war. This is completely insane because she's an Israeli-American, dual passport citizen. She doesn't care about Europeans at all. She's the woman who will sacrifice Europe to save Israel. When, of course, I would do the opposite. I would sacrifice Israel to save Europe, right? But they, will, they, won't, they don't like that idea, no. It is, it is still intriguing to me, despite all that I've learned about them, is that this small group of people wields so much influence and power all over the world. And that it is so hard to do something about it, unless perhaps we do the most radical things. And I'm thinking of sabotaging the very notion of urbanism. What if we would destroy the cities? You can cut the pipelines flowing into the cities, for example, and the electricity and so on. I mean, how far back do we have to go to get rid of them? Do you think we have to actually cut loose from electricity? That's quite extreme, but you know, this is just to show you how you can think about these kind of things. What do we need to do to win back our freedom? Uh, this is a chapter in my book, Revival of the West, Winning Back Freedom. Uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very radical about this. I want freedom more than equality, right? 
I don't care about equality so much. Inequality doesn't seem to bother me too much. Sometimes you see people, they have a yacht, huge yacht. It doesn't bother me at all because I don't need a yacht, see? What's going on? Oh, my wires are tangled. Yeah, I have, I, I've written several books. My book is, uh, wait, my book is called Revival of the West. Uh, and yeah, the name of the woman in charge of Europe is called Victoria, Victoria Newland. Truly evil woman. She will start seriously. She will sacrifice the European men, flood Europe with immigrants, kill us off, genocide us, wipe us out, all to save Israel. She just does not care about Europe. And yet she is in charge because she tells the NATO leaders what to do. She tells Zelensky what to do. It's absurd. She's married to Robert Kagan, who's also a uh, dual citizen Israeli American. Uh, Jewish and he was the architect of the Iraq war so you can guess what kind of and, and again I was talking about how it intrigues me how this small group of people can have so much power and influence in the world and how little we know what to do about it but it's not impossible to do something about it if only we were if, we, if only we start educating our own people about the possibilities of what we might do to win back our freedom yeah? Uh, the architect of Iraq is Robert Kagan. I'll type it in for you. Do you think Trump is a good option or no? Well, I like Trump personally, and I think he does. He's like the populist who sides with the American people against the billionaire elites. And I think for this reason, they really the elites really don't like him because he is somewhat of a, an opposing force to them. But I don't know if they might use Trump to push for the war on Russia, meaning if they think that Trump could convince the white men to die for him in the war in Russia, and he goes along with that for the money, well, then you have a problem, see? So you, you can't trust anybody anymore. Yeah, Germany's awakening was very sudden, yeah. Europeans won't do anything until they go hungry. So I can't wait for, I think, if they actually ban meat in the next five years, ban eating meat, and of course the fake meat products, they don't contain animal fats and animal proteins, right? And so I think that might actually cause a sort of simulation of hunger, since you're not getting animal fat and animal protein in anymore, and maybe they will ban eggs as well, you're screwed. That might actually trigger something in the psychology of the Europeans that they might start to fight like, hey, hey, this is unhealthy. We don't feel well anymore. We got to fight, fight, fight. And so you have to seize that moment when, when that happens, when the Europeans go hungry, seize that moment to truly you know, take over, seize power. Right. Once, once the people are starving, the men will act. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see much anger right now. Yeah, but I think it's uh, it's hidden. A lot of people's frustrations are hidden. People are still playing the game. They're still during the day, right? From nine to five, they're hey, how are you doing? Hey, hey, they're all pretending to be well off. They're pretending to be happy. We're still going places. We're still having holidays. But at some point, it has to dawn on people. Okay, you've been screwed from the day you were born. And when people realize that, yeah. I think they're going to fight back, you know.
Yeah, they play along for the time being. That's right. Alright, someone's from Florida is going to fight with the Texans, okay. <laughs> Probably your best choice, right? <laughs> Do you think there are leaders which are not controlled opposition? Mm, yeah, I suppose there are some. Uh, it's hard to think of any. It must be local people, yeah. People who will not be mentioned by the media. Anybody, you know, anybody mentioned broadly in the media is probably controlled opposition anyway. <clears throat> there was this Polish Polish parliamentarian who put out the, f the fires when they lit up the menorah during Christmas. Uh, the, the guy with the fire extinguisher, he became a meme. Did you see that? That guy, he's probably genuine, yeah. He's real. So that's one. So there are some here and there, you know. Yeah, that guy, the MP on TikTok. <laughs> I think they uh, removed his, uh, they took away his diplomatic immunity. Now they can sue him. Okay, so that's how they treat you. See, if you're if you're actual controlled opposition, nobody's taking away Eva Vladingerbrook's uh, bank account. See, so that's uh, that's a red flag right there. How come she can say whatever she wants? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think Trump would be best, the best option. It will, at least at the very least, it will boost the white middle class's uh, self-esteem a little. Maybe you can squeeze out a little victory here and there. Yeah. Yeah, as a Texan, you see things getting worse in time for elections to pause. Yeah. I don't trust Ava, no. I think she's... She's part of a sort of organization that is, it looks like the right-wing version of the World, World Economic Forum, but I don't think, uh, I don't think she actually, you know, no, I think it's controlled opposition, but look, I think that of most people, maybe I'm totally paranoid, but you know, that's just up to me, you know. Right. Uh. Let me see. I was, uh, was, I was thinking about something to talk about. You know. Tomorrow I'm going to have uh, a chat with a man named Daniel Natal from the Daniel Natal Show. He's on uh, on YouTube, and he's extremely knowledgeable. He's like a legit right-wing intellectual thinker. I'll type it in for you, Daniel Natal. I think he will uh, eventually put his... Uh, I'm going to do an interview with Daniel Natal or uh, talk with him for an hour or so, I suppose. And uh, I think he will put that on his YouTube channel. Uh, you should definitely check out Daniel Natal because he explains everything that is that even I find hard to, hard to grasp sometimes. Like He explains that the United Nations is really a holding company where the British Empire, after World War One and Two put their losses in so they could down... Uh, basically get the rest of the world to pay for the losses of the British Empire because they were they were effectively bankrupt the British elites so things like that you would never think of it you know and uh, yeah things like that this is very important so what about Eastern Europe Hungary set itself against the current agenda yeah Hungary is an exception yeah but look at what they did to Poland Poland and, and Hungary were allies for a while but now they they took over Poland they meaning the Americans 
and they made in just a few weeks time they turned Poland they forced Poland to go left wing right and they arrested some media managers because they were right wing and replaced those two because the Americans are afraid of course that Poland might side with Russia so they have to force Poland that's strange though yeah? you have to be a left wing country in order to support the USA weird huh because right wing stands for human values human dignity human potential right family life and so on all the stuff people really care about but don't you dare promote that because that goes against the american agenda oh is the music too loud oh oh no sorry about that i didn't mean this to be too loud Maybe uh, the song. I'll, I'll turn off the music for a bit now because I'm done with the music. So in the Netherlands, we have this uh, new law passed to dis the, a dispersal law, meaning the whole of the Netherlands will now be required and can be forced to accept more immigrants into their towns and small communities. Because it used to be so that there were like dedicated asylum centers and now the whole country is going to be one big asylum center basically any hotel can now or any hotel or any campsite could be forced to house immigrants now even if you don't want to the government simply has the right to do so you know uh, and that's just really extreme all right the last song was too loud okay well i'll turn it off yeah. sorry about that you know so you see what they're doing? It's, it is by force. No one, no one in the Western world has a free choice anymore. We have these weird totalitarian communist governments who can impose on us who we must accept amidst us. And we have no say in it. We can't do anything about it. Although they do seem, they do seem to fear a rebellion a little bit. I made a video on my Dutch TikTok account uh, a while back where I spoke about... Um, you know, the potential for uh, a popular revolt against the elites. And I, I had a little list of things that we might do. Like we would have uh, in the Netherlands, of course, we are not allowed to carry guns. So I imagined we can have like a, a shooter's guild, right? Uh, a rifle guild bring that because we used to have this up, up until the 18th century. Or so the Netherlands did have a, 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 a rifle guild for riflemen. And the rifle guild was a sort of people's police force that actually policed the rich and the politicians so they don't want they don't want that anymore so i figured we want that again so we can you know arrest so that the people can arrest corrupt politicians because the police will never do that the police work for the politicians all right um, and there were other things i mentioned i feel that in the netherlands or actually in all of europe uh young women should have access to housing priority over immigrants why should we give immigrants housing we should give it to our own women first i also felt that we should do what hungary does hungary gives newlywed couples a thirty thousand euro bonus we can do that in all of europe to promote marriages right and they also give women hungary gives if i'm not mistaken hungary gives women uh, a tax break so instead of giving tax breaks to the rich, you give tax breaks to women who have children. And by their third child, Hungarian women no longer have to pay income tax. So they will then be acquitted of ever having to pay income tax. At least that's what I understood. So that is what I want. 
I want to definitely invest in our own European women, the young women, of course, because, well, the older women, you know, they can't have families anymore. So, okay, there's going to be some inequality here, but let's invest in our women. Give our women a bonus for getting married, like 100K or so, 100,000 euros. Give them priority access to housing, but also make the housing cheap and affordable, right? Right, for those women. And then, you know, and then give women tax breaks if they, or give their husbands perhaps even tax breaks if they have children. So that we promote, you know, giving birth to our families. We promote uh, the birth rates in Europe. So we don't need immigrants. They always say we need immigrants. We need immigrants. We need immigrants for, for, for our aging populations. But the fact that our populations are aging is entirely political and artificial. It is not a natural phenomenon. It happens because housing is so hard to get for the native Europeans. Housing is a problem. Now, a lot of housing, of course, is, is occupied by... Uh, old people, boomers and so on. They don't have children anymore living in their big houses, but they don't want to leave their houses. So there's another solution. We should, you know, move those boomers into like elderly homes so their bigger homes become available to those young women so that the young women of, of Europe can move on and start having families so that we can finally close the borders and stop stop needing, quote unquote, these immigrants. But even then, even then, those immigrants who are coming to Europe, half of them can't even read and write. Most of them don't even get a job until at least five years after their arrival. They don't really start paying net taxes into the state coffers by, by, their, by their 10th year over here. And that means that is such a tremendous loss. They couldn't possibly help us out anyway. Uh, with or without immigrants, the Western economies in Europe at least seem to be dying anyway. Okay, what, what do we do then to reboot ourselves? Well, I think it has to be a spiritual reboot. It starts here in your heart and in your mind, your soul, right? It's a, what we are lacking is a spiritual uh, fire. You know, I don't think the fire has been extinguished. It's still there, but we need to rekindle it, right? And get our people to understand that they do matter, they do have a right to exist in this world, that they have the right to live as who they are and not as how social engineers want them to be. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's, it's just weird that we think that mass immigration to Europe is going to be a solution for what? The only solution is if you actually hate white people and you want to get rid of white people. Yeah, then immigration is the solution to your quote-unquote problem. Yeah. You know. Uh, someone is a Hungarian living in the USA and they, they say that Hungary is accepting Christian people from all over Europe. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. But are they also going to import Africans now? Yeah, they're, the European Union is very harsh on Hungary. They are really trying to get Hungary also to accept African immigrants. Yeah, That's really extreme. That's just, what's that called? Colon colonialism? <laughs> you know, genocide? Yeah, mass immigration is catastrophic, you know. Well, I think that's what we need. Marcus says, uh, forget mass re-migration, re but Western Europe would collapse due to civil unrest. Maybe that's what we need to go through anyway. What else is going to happen? I think that civil war between, say, the North African Islamic type of people and the native white people is going to happen anyway at some point. Maybe not tomorrow, but in 
10 years, 15 years, it will happen anyway. And we need to know exactly what we're going to do to defend ourselves because we're not going to lose that war. This notion that we should transform Europe into a global open society or the springboard for George Soros' open society is just ludicrous. Have you heard his son speak? Alex Soros was at Davos and he was like, uh, uh, Trump, uh, uh, democracy, uh, uh. <laughs> Turns out $25 billion does not, does not win you a speaking ability. The guy can't speak. He can't be the leader. So, uh, <clears throat> and old Soros, old George Soros, he's, he's not going to live very long. He's not well. So it's going to be over, hopefully, with them. Yeah. Do you think mass mass immigration would be a problem if it were white immigrants moving into Europe? Uh, I think we would welcome uh, the return of, say, white South Africans or white Americans, white Canadians, for the specific purpose to strengthen Europe so that we then in turn can also continue to support, you know, the, what I call the colonies, right, in return. Uh, I understand that Afrikaners, most of them don't want to leave, but then again, we could use some of them to rebuild Europe so that we can then help them back in return, like a tit-for-tat game. Because what else are we going to do? If Europe does not survive, there's a... then. Who, how are you going to survive? How are the white Australians going to survive without Europe existing? You need something like a Europe as a, the mother civilization, the mother continent, to be able to provide support and backing to these smaller nations. Right? Like, and I think, of course, you have the USA is very powerful, but the USA is completely getting completely overrun with immigrants, like 25 million in a year. That's insane. That's, that's conquest. You know, you're being conquered. You know, you got to do something about it. But then, of course, some this is really weird. In Texas, you have something like what is it called? You have you have the pol the regular police or the federal, whatever. A anyway, there's a conflict between two two uh, parts of government that are fighting each other. One wants to stop the immigrants from coming in and the other one is trying to keep get get the immigrants from, uh, you know, into the USA. It's just totally insane, you know. Three hundred thousand contacts on the U.S. southern border in the month of December alone. That's insane, you know. Yeah, you've been sold out. Yeah. Yeah, Texas state versus the federals. Yeah, that's what it is. That's interesting to see that states like Texas want to stop this, but the the federal government doesn't want to allow them to stop it. You know, at what point do you secede? You know, <laughs> at what point do you say Texas is its own nation? Uh, if you can muster up your own army, then <laughs> it's crazy that, of course, the federal system, these these are the globalists, right? And they really believe in, uh, they don't believe in nationalism. So they don't want states to, to go national, so to speak, to be, become their own nations, because that would uh, cause friction at the border. It will cause, it may will make it more difficult for capital to move around and, you know, more difficult for people to move around. And they don't like that very much, right? So they want to centralize everything into a global system because that's the easiest to exploit. That's the easiest to exploit everybody. Yeah. How do you think Britain recovers? You know, we can play mind games like in theory. What what if what if the Scots, the white Irish and then the white uh, Anglo English people would somehow unite against the immigrants in, in England? What would it be like? Oh, it will be an absolutely bloody war. The River Thames will turn red with the blood of one's enemies, right? 
it's going to be so tough. But perhaps this is what is necessary, a sort of ritual cleansing, a culling of the herd, where we essentially at some point realize, okay, if our economies are going to collapse at some point, if that were to happen, right? If we go hungry, then there's no more tolerance, there's no more equality. Then there's only, you know, who's the largest group of people who can organize themselves best to withstand the other groups? And, you know, I hope it's going to be our group. I hope we are going to show, I hope we are going to shine like we've never shown before, that, that we are going to prove to the world yeah, that we are still very dangerous and you should have respected us. You should, people are going to, we should make people wish they had treated us better. And all this talk of uh, you colonials and you racists and you did all this bad stuff. No, 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 no. You can't talk to us like that. You know, that should be our attitude going forward. No, you can't talk to us like that. Who the hell are you? You know, yeah, we will have our vengeance. We will have our vengeance. Yeah. I think that is a, a very realistic outcome. I see lots of people are sending me gifts, so thank you very much. I suppose uh, I can buy a cup of tea somewhere today, <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, uh, I don't believe, I, I've heard someone from Africa, because I get a lot of Africans in my comments, I don't like them very much, because they're all, the ones who post comments, they're always very aggressive and mean. So. But someone said like, oh, you white people are going away, and you're going to leave the world to us. And like, I had to scratch my head. Like, what do you mean? We're not going away at all. Even in the worst case scenario, there's still going to be hundreds of millions of white people left by the end of the century. We're not going to go away. And we, the world is not ours to leave to you. And even if we would leave it to you, what the hell are you going to do with it? You know? <laughs> so it's just not right. You know? oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you're South African, right? Okay. <laughs> you're Af something else. Like, all right. Yeah. Bringing me up. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, anyway, so I think we need to start thinking of a, a revivalist movement here. A spiritual revival is going to be absolutely necessary for us to survive this, what's, whatever is coming at us. I get the impression that the so-called people who manage our civilization, right? Where did they get their knowledge from? And I think they're not at all as smart as you think they are. I think they actually study mice and rodents and rats, but also termites and ants. And they base their idea of how to run a society on that. But we're people, we're human beings, we're not lemmings, we're not uh, termites, right? Now, it's interesting to study the social organization of a termite colony, and you can learn a lot from that. But you cannot apply it to human beings because we're not termites. Oh, but I think this is what they're trying to do with all the technology and the, and the algorithms. They want to force us to behave more like termites because termites are animals so simple that they can be understood more easily than human beings. Human beings have a soul and a free will and an imagination and dreams, right? And termites don't dream. Termites don't have a soul. Termites don't have a free will. They're just literal automatons uh, organized by some algorithmic principle. Right? They have no free will, but we do have all those things. And so it's very dangerous for anybody in the world to think that they can be so powerful to treat us like, like social insects. We're not like that at all. We are, you know, we as human beings, I think, 
are going to prove to these intellectual technocrats how dead wrong they are about us you know it's just not right yeah we need to stand all together at all costs yeah definitely yeah <laughs> uh, the west doesn't have the prerequisites for mass expulsion you need armies and police are filled with non-whites yeah we'd collapse into a new dark age yeah or well, you know but wait a minute, dark ages weren't dark, you know, they always say that. But in the dark ages, we had a lot of social and, te and technological progress. It's just that they don't like to talk about it because it happened while we were very, re very religious. And so this goes against the narrative of religious people being stupid and uh, you have to be atheist to be a good progressive, right? It's not quite like that. The, the so-called dark ages saw tremendous uh, developments in Europe that were very positive. People were, for example, during the so-called Dark Ages, people cared a lot about cleanliness. They actually invented soap during that era and started washing uh, themselves properly. They bathed uh, and they washed themselves uh, daily. They, cleanliness was important because of the religion, right? If you want to, uh, you know, if you believe you are going to be closer to God when you die, you want to arrive clean. So that's why, that's why it all happened, you know. So... I think so, yeah. So Katja asks if Christianity will unite us. Yeah, Something, yeah. We need something that unites us, and I think it has to be religion. And for Europeans, that simply is Christianity, right? For most, actually, this is the religion of white people anyway. So what else are we supposed to do? I read that uh, there's like a lot of pagan groups out in Europe. And I don't dis disrespect pagan groups because it's part of our history and part of our mythology, part of who our ancestors used to be. But then, is that a division tactic? Are they trying to divide us again? You know, with the identity politics. Oh, you're an Odinist. Oh, you're, you're an uh, Estonian uh, shamanist or whatever, right? So they try to divide us again so that we cannot fight Islam. But in order to fight Islam, we have to also understand that despite your heathen ancestry, we are still today, you know, Christian in this sense. We come from Christian culture. And if we would unite as such, that is, I think, our window to defeat Islam in Europe. You need that. You need that kind of religious unity to defeat uh, the enemy. Yeah, I, I, I often suggest that uh, white Europeans and white Russians could be an alliance, but then it has to be an alliance against Islam. Because I know that Russia also panders to the Islam people, the Chechens and so on. And that is something that we would then want to stop. So if we, by working together, could white Europeans and white Russians, the Christian Europeans and Russians, could we work together also to deal with Islam together? Then we would, then we would win that, you know? It's a different war than what we are waging now. Now we are fighting between... The American globalism versus the, you know, Russian nationalism or so, whatever it is. And, and Europe is stuck in between and it doesn't even benefit us in any way. Whether we win or lose, it doesn't benefit Europe. But Europe loses anyway. And, and, you know, we don't have to do that, you know. Yeah. I was thinking of like... Uh, yeah, a darker, more ruthless form of Christianity that just does not allow people to disrespect us anymore, you know? Something that's what we need, you know? 
Yeah, here it is, a pagan revival occurring. Yeah, that's what I mentioned. And people are buying land and going off the grid. Well, that's a good thing. Go off, go off the grid. If you can be self-sustaining and you can live under the radar of the government, that is what you should definitely do. As long as you understand that in the greater fight against Islam and immigration, you're going to have to work with your Christian brothers because we need to unite as one. We need a united Europeans. Look, when I speak of a united Europe, we don't have to stay united for a million years or even a thousand years. We need to be united just for those 12 years or three years that it takes to drive out our enemies. That's all it takes. And then we can relax again and then we can go, each can go, go their own way again, you know. No, not, we're not going to unite under the different paganisms. No, that's plurality. So we need that Christian varnish, you know, to instruct people like, hey, we also have to stand together against Islam. You know. All right, I've been speaking for an hour now, so usually I wrap it up then. You can go to my, uh, my newsletter at www.jmk.info or you can go to my TikTok, obviously, or my uh, YouTube channel at The Great Johannes. I'll type that one into. And I will repost this video there to, as, a, as a sort of a podcast replay, a live stream replay video. Uh, and I suppose I'll, uh, I'll see you next time, don't you?